Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom your calling? Do you long to witness and support the awesome power of women as we make life, form kinship, and transform the world through undisturbed, mother-centered birth? In your most expansive vision of your life, are you the authentic midwife of your community? Walking in total grace, reciprocity, and trust with women through the sacred portal of pregnancy and birth? Then our groundbreaking Radical Birthkeeper School is for you. It's an immersive and intensive, fast-paced live program in all things authentic midwifery and self-mastery that will give you the blueprint and guidance to launch a life-altering, world-shaking Radical Birth brand and business. Think birth business mastermind, life-changing coaching intensive, deep dive into all things birth, step-by-step roadmap for serving women authentically, and the wise woman initiation that you have been dreaming of, all rolled into one epic program that will change your entire life. It is time to become the lighthouse that guides women home to themselves. Head over to RadicalBirthKeeperSchool.com and grab your spot because we are enrolling now and we always sell out. Say yes to your calling and join us in this revolution of bringing birth back home. www.RadicalBirthKeeperSchool.com On the show today, we have Alexandra, a solo parent by choice. After finding a sperm donor and just one round of IVF, Alexandra decided to opt out of the medical system entirely, despite a highly managed start to her conception and gestation journey. Alexandra shares her story of balancing surrender and control, staying true to her mothering choices, and transitioning into postpartum as a single mom. Just take us to wherever this feels like the beginning for you. And obviously learning that this is a solo parenting journey by choice. I mean, just take us, take us to what brings you into that decision. I don't think I've had a woman, um, like that has made that same choice on the podcast yet. So I'm really excited to hear about it, even though I, I know women who do that. Um, mm-hmm. So just take us wherever you want to start and, and start telling us about who you are. Yeah. So I am a single mom by choice. So I did go through IVF to get pregnant. Um, I would say that the beginning started, I would go back and forth. So I'm 32 now maybe when I was like 26, I kept saying like, I don't really want a partner (laughs) to have kids. Like I just want kids. Like I don't, I want to do it on my own. Um, and I don't really want to be attached to someone forever because we had kids. I never really saw any relationships that stayed forever. Mm -hmm. They never worked out forever. So it was like, well, why would I bring children into this situation? And inevitably they'll be in the two households, like mom this weekend, dad this weekend, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, and so it was just like, well, why Mm -hmm. they can have a, a, like a steady household 
a peaceful home with just me. And then that was the other thing. I don't really like to compromise. (laughs) And so it's like, do I want to vaccinate? Do I not? Do I want to go to church? Do I not? Mm -hmm. Do I feel like, I don't know, one parent wants to, I don't know, be Christian and one wants to be, I don't know, any other religion. And we have to argue over that. I don't want that to be a thing. So I'll say this is how I really solidified that I was going to go down this path. I work for like a really huge company. We have like huge, um, like fulfillment centers or like warehouses that we work in. And um, I was like going back just in my head. I wasn't really like talking to people about it. Um, And I was walking through our um, building one day and the building's huge, like 800,000 square feet, huge. So I'm walking through the building and again, I'm just going back and forth like, okay, that means I need to use a sperm donor. Um, I have no idea who this person is. Right. Um, I wanted to use a known donor. So those people- What do you mean when you say known? A known donor is someone you actually know. So- Oh, like in real life. Yes, in real life. And, And it can- very so some people use known donors like your best friend that just wants to be helpful to you an ex um also people find known donors on facebook pages Uh and so there are facebook groups for known donors and they meet up they exchange (laughs) the sample and then that's it so known implies uh outside of a bank Known, yes. So outside of a bank, because with like traditional cryo banks, there's a few different types of donors. So you can have an anonymous donor. Right. So you would most likely see um, childhood pictures of that donor. And then you can have an open ID donor. And I might get these mixed up, open ID and ID disclosure. So an open ID donor, I believe, is a donor who is willing to have the child reach out to the cryobank. The cryobank will then reach out to the donor when that child turns 18. Wow. And if they want to know each other, if they want to meet up, they can. An ID disclosure donor means that at 18, the child can reach out to the cryobank and all the information that the cryobank has, so that like the donor's current address, any information that the cryobank knows can be given to the child. And so I have an ID disclosure donor. I didn't want to take that opportunity away from them if they feel like they did want to know who that person is in the future. Uh So um, yeah, so that's the difference between like a cryobank donor and then a known donor. Uh And the the other part of having a known donor is, especially if you do um, like natural insemination, which means you just have sex, you know? that donor oftentimes can have parental rights so they can change their mind yeah and and it kind of defeats the entire purpose of being right. a single, single parent by choice you pretty much say you can come back at any time and try to get parental rights it's scary oh my god because i i thought about using like an ex because mm-hmm. because you want to know like at the time this was more important to me like I know what he laughs at. I know what he thinks is funny. I know what foods he likes. You know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, you see it in your kid and you know like where they get it from. But then it Mm. became not as important to me. You know what I mean? Um, And so that's why I went with a cryobank. (laughs) So you went with bank because that gave you the most control. Yes. And then you chose ID disclosure in case your child at 18 or, or beyond wants to explore a potential... uh, path of contact yes yeah and it's really funny because so we're actually in contact with her donor siblings we have a facebook group yeah okay (laughs) so it's like a bunch of women that have kids by the Mm -hmm. same man Mm -hmm. um and she's like of the older group of kids he donated we got his um sample and pretty much got we all got pregnant last year in 2020 so why was he so popular he was such a cute little kid. <laughs> so you only saw pictures of him as a child or do you see pictures of him as an adult as well? Well, so you're talking to an FBI agent. Not really, but I, I found him in real life. Of course. But I didn't find him until I was pregnant. So there was like no going back. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. So we have a Facebook group. I think there's like five of us right now. Whoa. Yeah. And so, like I said, she's 
like in the older group of kids because I'm sure more will come later and like I was concerned like because you're going to get to know these kids they're like your siblings your half siblings and if the 18 year olds reach out to the donor and meet him and then there's uh a 10 year old right how does that work you know Mm -hmm. wow yeah a whole different can of worms there yeah Uh uh-huh well I mean and you're choosing to be involved with the group like you could you could oh yeah opt out just not yeah so actually there's a donor sibling registry on california cryobank which is the cryobank i used and we registered our children's births so you can log into that Mm -hmm. and see how many donor siblings there are and so some people are in the facebook group but not registered on the sibling registry some people are in the sibling registry and not in the facebook group and so um, I know one for sure is in the sibling registry, but not has not interacted with us at all on the Facebook group. So yeah, and people so, choose not to join. Totally. So uh, forgive my ignorance, but okay. So with okay. the guy <laughs> who, who donates his sperm, mm-hmm. does he like, does he get, does he just have like a ton of batches? He has a few um I think they're called releases like they do a really oh he'll have a release in November or something like that I think that's what it's called (laughs) it's Um, so graphic I mean that's like (laughs) a perfect name and there's like a bunch of vials yeah so so I'll tell you like mine I purchased two vials okay I did IVF wow good odds right and from my IVF okay are you familiar with IVF at Mm -hmm. all yeah Okay. So from IVF, you know, you can, um, you'll get embryos and then some people test their embryos for PGS testing. And so after PGS testing, I had 15 embryos. So, whoa. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and where are those now? Frozen in Virginia beach. (laughs) And are those yours? Like, do do you own them? Okay. Yep. Okay. And you pay Um, to have them stored. Yes. Okay. Whoa, this is crazy. (laughs) And actually, um, my company has a benefit called progeny, which I wish more companies had. It's so helpful. And they actually paid for a year of embryo storage, which at my clinic is about $900. So, and it's not bad over the shadow side to that is because I'm, I'm familiar with, with, with companies like Facebook and, and other companies that also offer, um, egg freezing support. I don't know what it's really supposed to be, what like the correct term is, but I think kind of the, the shadow side to that also is the incentive, the incentive to work. Yeah. And just have babies later. Oh yeah. Which I guess, mm-hmm. I mean, women should decide to, because you, you'll they want, preserve but... your fertility. Yeah. In so theory. you can do this at yeah. 30 and then wait till Oof. 35, 37, 38. Wow. Okay. You know? crazy. Okay. So you had so many successful embryos. I mean, that's like, that's a lot. Oh yeah. Like, so at my clinic, we kind of do our, um, IVF cycle in batches. And so you don't really see anyone and it was during COVID. So we were all like separated, Mm -hmm. but you kind of knew like everyone was coming in for day one. Um, what is it? I can't even remember like testing pretty much. Mm -hmm. And the embryologist called me <laughs> once the embryos got to day five and she's like, you were my first call. I couldn't wait to call you. You had so many embryos. And I'm like, oh, and you just don't think about this side. I never thought about this side. I chose to be a single mom by choice. And then I said, I'll do IVF because I want my child to have siblings. And you kind of get like cycles and progeny, an IUI, which is an intrauterine insemination where you pretty much put a vial of sperm in your vagina. Yeah. Why didn't you do that one? Less control. Okay. So, um, I kind of wanted to choose gender. I wanted to do testing like chromosome testing and I couldn't do that with an IUI. Um, and then again, they're 900 to a thousand dollars per vial. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes you can do four IUIs before you get pregnant. So that's almost $4,000. So you chose sex. You chose which embryo? Yes. Because the embryos are sexed. Yes. Wow. Okay. I haven't thought about this in a little while. <laughs> okay. So the embryos are sexed and you can do genetic testing on them prior to insemination. Yes. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> you were like, I want a girl. Yes. And you had incredibly 
fertile odds. Oh yeah. Wow. And, and okay, this is terrible, but I'm really thinking like, damn, I wonder if you and this guy like met, like you would be very fertile together. Like, have you had this thought? So they, they say that <laughs> and like you hear all these, I don't know, wives tales, whatever in these fertility groups and sure. single mom by choice yeah. groups. And so they say the more genetically different you are, the higher your odds are of like, oh, okay like fertility or something like that. So if I would have chose like, I guess like a black African-American guy, I don't know, maybe the odds would have been lower, but I was eliminating certain things. And so he's biracial, Okay. but I was trying to eliminate like sickle cell, um, sickle cell traits, stuff like that. And Uh, that was, so he had a cute picture at the top of the page when you click on the profile there will be um, like a link where it says sign form. If the donor has um, some genetic disorder that you have to sign off acknowledging. And so the second thing I noticed was that he did not have that sign off thing. And so that was another thing. I didn't want a donor that I had to sign off on. Of course. Right. So that was the second thing. Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of how I chose him. And I almost didn't get the vials. Um, How did, so I called, so I logged in one day, I think like maybe February, March last year. And I saw his, his profile. I log, I saw that it was like no sign off. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I really need to get these vials. And it just said low vial count. Usually it says 30 vials, 26 vials. It just said low vials. Everyone's after him. Oh yeah. Well, just for all of the donors, it'll tell like the actual number, you know, mm-hmm. and his just said low vials. So I'm like, okay. I called my mom. I'm like, this, this guy's really cute. I think that I want to get the vials. And she's like, um, we'll go ahead and get it. I said, I think I'm going to hold off. Sorry. I called California Cryobank first and the agent told me they're so helpful. They're so nice. The agent told me, I think that you should put some on hold because they could be gone by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'll put them on a 24 hour hold. It's a free hold. You just come back tomorrow and let us know whether yeah come back tomorrow and let us know whether you want them or not called my mom she said I think you should get them called back the next day because I'm like I'm still going to think about it a little bit and there were eight vials when I called the previous day when I called back my two were the only ones still there whoa yeah because he was in high demand oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah so it was a combination of so I was walking through my building at work and I found a keychain that had a sperm and an egg on it. <laughs> you just stumbled upon this keychain of a sperm and an egg? Yes. And it said cryobank on what it or like cryos what? or something like, yeah. So I'm like, this is my sign that like, this is what I should be doing in that 800,000 square foot building, you know? Wow. I mean, what and are then, the chances? Right. And then the second side of my sign was um so I got pregnant in October of 2019 like by an ex yes I had a miscarriage okay and I was in denial I'm like it's a stealth pregnancy (laughs) I'm pregnant I'm I just I don't know I'm not showing um and that lasted it was like on and off like I believed it sometimes I didn't believe it other times so how far along were you with that one very early like six weeks five weeks something like that um and so I think by January I hadn't had a period for like 40 like no bleeding for over 40 days or something like that so I went to the doctor I was misdiagnosed with PCOS and this leads into how I had so many embryos misdiagnosed with PCOS and that's what jump-started me like I need to get this going right now because I don't know what my fertility will look like you know so that's when I started looking into progeny through my, my um, job and started everything. Well, I go to the reproductive endocrinologist, my RE, and she's like, you don't have PCOS. Like your hormones are fine. You do have PCO though. And I'm like, well, what's PCO? She's like polycystic ovary, polycystic ovaries. And that just means you have a lot of follicles. You, you create a lot of eggs. Mm. So yeah, Which is not a problem. IV. No. Okay. So you get pregnant with super ease. This is last year during COVID. Yes. 2020. So my transfer was in July. 
So I am so excited to hear about how you start with this like hyper medical, hyper controlled story and then wind up in a freaking free birth. <laughs> so tell us what to walk us through that arc. <laughs> Right. So when I was getting pregnant, I would often listen to um, anything about pregnancy, birth, single mom by choice podcast. And so I came across the podcast. And even before I got pregnant, I said, I want to have a free birth. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Um, it just seems so it's very unusual for women who start that medical to not yeah. wind up with a highly medicalized birth. Oh yeah. So this is definitely very, very, yeah, unique. So tell me. So some things that went into it, um, the black maternal mortality rate, I did not want to be, I didn't want a bunch of interventions. I didn't want a bunch of scare tactics, none of it. So it was just like, so oftentimes, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's enough. Um, oftentimes IVF, pregnancies or IVF babies have heart issues. So I pretty much stayed with an OB until I think around like 20 ish weeks, you get an ultrasound where you, where you make sure like everything's okay with the heart. After that, I never went back. So they, (laughs) they told me that I needed to come back to do my glucose test. And right there, I asked, um, is there any alternative that I can do aside from that drink? I don't want to have the drink. And they're like, oh, well, only if you've had gastric bypass or any type of gastric surgery, can you do any alternative? I said, okay, like no argument. I'm just not even going to get into it because at the end of the day, I can make my own decisions, you know? I also love how illegal it really is. Like it's like completely against the oaths that doctors take to not name that the alternative is to just not do it. Yeah. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it, but they're never going to say that. And so. So I'll say I teetered back and forth between like just completely like wild birth, free birth and like, do I need to, to test my glucose, you know, or do I need certain things? And I'm really grateful. I um, met up with a midwife who supports free birth in Virginia. She's in Charlottesville. And I'm like, can you please explain to me why it's always said that minorities most likely have gestational diabetes and I'm glad that she was okay with saying they save minority because they really mean poor Mm. like that's what they mean they mean you you don't have access to the best food choices um and so you're already set up on a path towards diabetes you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so I'm like okay well I eat pretty healthy (laughs) so I'll test my glucose if it even seems crazy slightly, then I'll pay more attention to it. But it was perfectly fine. I tested for like four days and it was perfectly fine. Uh After that, like I said, I never went back to the doctor. And a part of what I didn't really like about them is like, I think there were like eight delivering physicians and they wanted me to see all of them during my pregnancy which means I don't really know any of them. Like I'm seeing you one time because I go every four weeks. it, It just didn't seem like something I wanted to do. So I didn't say anything. I didn't register to give birth. And I did think in the back of my mind, okay, if you choose to go to the hospital, you're just gonna make this process even worse because then you're gonna have to do all the registration and all this stuff. But I'm like, I'm just gonna be headstrong. I'm not gonna do it. I'm there should be nothing wrong. So, and it's a fine line, I think, to walk for all of us who, who choose to birth outside of the system of like, how much on your radar do you want to get on their radar to, like you said, like maybe register or something versus nothing at all. I honestly thought that they would reach out because I've heard stories that they would reach out telling me, Hey, we haven't seen you in a while. Do you want to go and schedule you? an appointment? Right. Yeah. They never reached out. Yeah. Like closer to the end of my pregnancy, I'm in a free birth group on Facebook. And so they kind of tell you like some of the supplies you need. Some people are very minimal and they don't get anything. I got like a birthing pool. I got some Chuck's pads. I think I got, I wanted her to have like specific 
um, scissors to cut her umbilical cord that she could keep, like that were hers. Oh, that's cute. Um, yeah. So I got those things. And then I think that was pretty much it. Who's going to be there? My mom. And initially my mom was not really on board with, um, a free birth. She had all of her births in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she didn't have all natural births. And so she kind of knew like what to expect as far as that goes. Um, but she was curious, like, well, what about the vitamin K shot after she's born? What about the erythromycin that goes in the eyes, stuff like that? I was like, none of it is really necessary. So it doesn't matter. Um, and so I told her like, you really need to educate yourself. If you're going to be afraid, you can't be there, you know? Um, and so she did, she educated herself and I actually told her, she lives like two hours away. And I told her, I kind of want to give birth by myself. Mm. And she was just like, I don't think that's what you want. I'm like, no, I I think that I kind of want to give birth by myself. And I'm like, I think that I might tell you closer to the end of labor. And then once you get there, maybe you'll walk in right after I deliver. But she did end up coming down and she was there for the entire birth. And even after the fact, I think, I think that I would have been okay giving birth by myself. Of course. I think, and she even says like, you were very like independent. I would try and help you and you didn't really want help. I'm like, yeah, I, it didn't seem like crazy to me. You know what I mean? It seemed very doable. Um, And so I started my maternity leave around like 36, 34 weeks, something like that. And I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing was happening. And so I know some people are scared of castor oil and, but I was like, I'm going to try. So I tried that and it was like nine or 10 o'clock at night. The next morning is when like contractions really started and I didn't give, I was in labor for about 17 hours and everything was like, I was documenting things. So like making like short clips and videos Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm assuming I had back labor. The only pain was like right in the middle of the small of my back. Like I didn't really feel anything in in the front of my stomach or like what people would describe like traditional contractions as. And so I wasn't at first, I wasn't sure that I was even in labor. I wasn't sure what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just hoping like, okay, maybe this will die down. And it didn't really die down. Just kept going and kept going, and kept going. And so I think around midnight is when it got to a point where it was just like uncontrollable pushing. So I labored all that day. Around midnight is when I knew I wanted um, fetal ejection reflex to kind of do its thing just because I wanted to experience it. And I don't, I'm not really sure if that's what, what happened, you know, but um, around midnight, 1230 is when it was just like uncontrollable. Is your mom here yet? Oh yeah. She's here. She's She's here. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I actually had to like kick in my, my mom's dog and I'm like, you guys have to go. So are and you I just, just wanted- like completely fearless? Um, I didn't, I just, I didn't think anything was going to happen. Anything bad was going to happen. Yeah. It was just like, this is normal. Uh-huh. We'll wait to see how it goes. And then. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say so, fearless. I'm, I'm so impressed because they're so. I say this with total like love and respect, but you obviously have a control freak side, you know, and like most of us do. And it's, it's like a phenomenon that you also have so much confidence and like internal resourceness that you could also just let go and give birth. Like a lot of women who have the strong type A thing, have a really hard time in labor because it requires so much freaking surrender. It's like the antithesis to control, right? Uh, yeah, so I'm just very impressed that you like well, were it's- able to kind of juggle all of it. Yeah, so it's really funny because like I said, I recorded a lot of it uh-huh. and I remember 
like putting my, like feeling inside my vagina. And of course I'm not getting cervical checks. I don't even know what one or five or whatever centimeters might feel like if I'm doing the check on my own. Um, and I'm telling my mom, like, I don't know if it's open enough. Like, I don't know, like, and I'm like logically thinking, like, I don't know if it's open, like wide enough. I don't know. And I remember the midwife telling me like, well, you can't really have like intellectual conversation if you kind of want the FER to kick in. Like you kind of just need to be very primal and like let things happen on their own. And I'm like, well, I'm like analyzing all of this. So maybe I should just have them leave. And that's when that was, I was like, I think you guys should like just let me do this by myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to have to think about anything. And that's when I think after I let them back in after probably like an hour, I love when... that you're referring to them as them, the dog, the dog and the human. <laughs> yes, my mom and the dog, because I have pictures. The dog was like uh, right next to me, right under funny. me the entire time. That's funny. So you noticed so, like a shift when they left where it was yes. just like, yeah. Yes. And things like, I feel like started to move. And again, I could, and my water had not broken yet. So everything was still like intact. I was even at like, I'll say maybe like 10 o'clock at night. So I gave birth at 1253, maybe like 10 o'clock at night. I'm still like, is this labor though? Like, are we sure? You know? And so you're just built for this girlfriend. (laughs) It's awesome. You just got pregnant easy and, and yeah, it's beautiful. So at like 1253, like I said, I gave birth and I was very, I did not want to tear and so I'm like, I'm holding my perineum as I'm like letting the head come out. And my mom had looked to see, I'm like, does she have hair? And she's like, she has hair. I'm like, okay. So I'm like feeling down there. And eventually I'm just like, the head's out. And she's like, what? What do you mean? So she looks, she's like, the head's out. And I'm like, I know the head's out, you know? Um, And I know that once the head comes out, like you're supposed to, this is all stuff again, like you said education from Facebook, but this is like <laughs> the baby's supposed to like turn and then the, mm-hmm. the whole body will come out. Mm-hmm. So I was unsure whether the entire head was out. I could feel like this, the smooth back of her head mm-hmm. in the front and then in the back, it just felt like a bunch of ripples. Totally. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if any of these ripples is her chin, like saying every, like her entire head is out. So I gave like a tiny little push, like to make sure everything was out and her entire body came out mm-hmm. and her cord was wrapped around. So she had a nuchal cord, like a double wrap around her neck. And I just unwrapped it. And I think I was just like in complete shock. Hmm. I couldn't even believe like th- it's over. Like this is yeah. it. And I'm, I was just like, so grateful. I know I, I just did not want to transfer to a hospital. I, and I never felt like it got to the point Actually, that's a lie. I remember saying, I remember saying, just call 911. <laughs> take me in. <laughs> take me in. They can give me a C-section. Oh no. And this was like right, like I, I think I was just like so scared. I could feel her head like right on the other side of my vagina. I'm like, I have no idea what this is about to totally. feel like. This is what people are like screaming at in movies. Mm-hmm. And it's about to happen to me, you know? And your mom and was just like, okay, sweetie. She was just like Zan. Oh, so she calls me Zan, uh-huh. but, um, she's like, at this point, they're going to make you deliver her anyway. Like she's uh-huh. so far down. She, they're not going to give you a C-section. And that was like the only thing that like calmed me. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm too far You're in it to win it now. Yeah. yeah. And I will say pushing her out was not painful for me at all. The contractions were painful. And if you have one really intense contraction, I feel like it's very doable. I think the part that makes it like, okay, can this be over with is the fact that it keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming, you know, it just doesn't stop. Um, but the pushing was, I was, I'll say I was very shocked. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I'm blown away that you didn't like feel so I was waiting for the ring of fire. Didn't have it. Sweet. That's awesome. Not that I And noticed. then did you tear it all? 
So I saw like bright red drops of blood coming out, which I, I believed was a sign that I was tearing. I didn't have any pain in my vagina. So I, I don't think I tore, but then I did like a few weeks later. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any tearing. And then like a few weeks later, I did get like um, granulated tissue near my perineum, which again, makes me think I might've torn or maybe it was a stretch or something, but it was nothing like I expected it to be. I mean, if you, if you tore, it would burn when you peed. No. And I was really scared of that. Like my first pee, I almost, and then your, your bladder holds like a normal amount of pee almost immediately. Well, at least mine did. It went from like two ounces to like a gallon of pee. And I was like running to the bathroom, trying to get the Perry bottle together. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't touch warm water when I have to pee. I'm going to pee on myself. So I'm like running to the bathroom, so scared that it's going to burn. And then there was just no burning. And so I'm like. Awesome. So what about the placenta? And what position are you birthing her in? Are you, I'm picturing you like on your knees? Yeah. So almost like, almost like when someone proposes, like they get down on one knee Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be in the pool. I'll say that's how I let go. Like I was very like, I'm going to be in the pool. I'm going to give birth here. I'm going to do this. And it was just like, no, I'll, I'll even say I had to get out of the pool because the water got too cold. Mm -hmm. And then my mom wanted me like to like kind of relax and everything and get back in the pool. And I'm like, I don't really want to be in the pool. She warmed the water up. I didn't want to be in the pool because the pool was too um, cold, sorry. Um, so she warmed the water up and then it was too hot and I got like really like mm. lightheaded. Yeah. So then I just got out and that's when I was like in the kneeling position. Um, and so I really wanted to encapsulate my placenta. Um, so we kind of let, I let the umbilical cord stay on for maybe like 20 minutes. I think we were like 20 minutes, cut the cord. And I completely forgot about the placenta. <laughs> I took a shower. Wait, what? I, like after, like after, like I left it there in a bowl. Oh, like you birthed it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I thought you meant like you forgot about it inside of you. I was like, wait, wait. No, the placenta came out almost immediately also. Okay. And it's in the bowl, cut. Yes. Now you're free. You go take a shower. Yes, I go take a shower. And I forgot it like overnight out. And, and so I'm like, can't really encapsulate at this point, but yeah, the, and the placenta came out easier and faster than I thought it would also. So beautiful. I think I was still in the kneeling position, like just like in awe and I'm like, Oh, the placenta is coming out, you know? So so awesome. Yeah. Cool, calm and collected. (laughs) That's you. You're three months postpartum. Yes. You said, yeah. So how has this been? solo parenting your mom lives two hours away so what what does the next 12 weeks look like for you how's your body how's breastfeeding going you're gonna go back to work at some point I assume so yeah what is all that like so I go back to work in August um but postpartum I feel it was postpartum was intense like of course your body doesn't look normal but I, I feel like that stuff can come in, like you'll get back to normal eventually. And I wasn't really focused on that. I'll say breastfeeding was probably the most difficult thing for me. Mm. I felt like there was nerve pain in my neck when she would latch Mm. and I would have scabs like covering my nipples. No. Yes. It was horrible for me. So but eventually we moved past that. So I'm, I'm asking my mom, like, how long does this last? I contacted a lactation consultant. And again, and so I, so I, again, so I did IVF, very medicalized, kind of like moved out of that to deliver very like free birth. And then I felt like I gave birth and I moved back to that, like the medical side almost. And I was getting frustrated with myself because it was like, okay, contact a lactation consultant. And the lactation consultant said she needs a phrenectomy. So then I went and got her a laser phrenectomy Mm, and she did not, she didn't need it. And so I was, yeah. So it again is 
still, everything's very virtual still. And so, and she's a new baby. So they're like, we'll just do it over. I think it was like Zoom or some type of like platform like this. And they had me like pull her, I think pull her lip down so they could see under her tongue. And I'm looking at it and there's nothing there to, to be cut. Like it's almost like smooth. Mm-hmm. And she's saying like, oh, well, that needs to be like nicked pretty much she needs a phrenectomy. Um, and I'm like, I'm looking in her mouth. And I'm like, I don't see anything that can be cut. Like they would literally be cutting the bottom of her tongue. Whoa. And she's like, trust me. I know she can't touch the roof of her mouth. And she's saying that it's shaped like a C. It's just bringing me back like almost. And she didn't need the phrenectomy. Ugh. I don't know what would have made that transition into breastfeeding better, but I think it was probably like two weeks where it was just like excruciating pain. And I eventually took her to a pediatrician because that I feel like I did feel pressured to do. I reached out to a pediatrician um, when I was still pregnant because eventually I did want her to have something. Cause again, it's like, on the radar, not on the radar, yeah. you know? And sure. so I'm like, Ugh. we'll have um, periodic checkups. And so they were actually freaking out. It was six days and I still hadn't brought her in. And they were like, we need her in. I felt, I felt really pressured. Um, but still th- that's when they were like, oh, well, did she get vitamin K? And I'm like, right. no. And they're like, so do you want to do it now? I'm like, no. At day six? That doesn't even make any no. sense. At that point, she's creating, or I think it's like day eight, they start like their own vitamin K, producing it on their own. Um, I'm like, I can't take, and that's where I was saying, like, I'm going back and forth between this like very medical and very wild space. And they were telling me she's she's lost too much weight. She was six pounds, 11 ounces when she was born. I think she was six pounds, four ounces when I brought her in. And then they told me, you need to feed her every hour. You need to come in every day until she's back to birth weight. And me, I'm like, okay, like, I don't want her to like be losing weight. You know, I get home and I'm like, no, I canceled the appointment. (laughs) We're not coming in every day. We're not doing this. She's a newborn. She will eat when she's hungry. Her stomach is the size of like, I don't know, a walnut or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. Also, a stressed out, a stressed out mom who's not resting, who's going to be under-resourced, like going in and out, who's doing this on her own, who is freaking freshly postpartum. That doesn't help your milk supply. Like that doesn't help your baby's nervous system. I mean, there's so much to consider. Ugh. Okay. But so now you're through it and nursing's okay. Yes. So we nurse, nursing is fine. And like, I feel like it's the, I won't say easy, but if I think about like creating bottles, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I never thought I would be so okay with just like whipping my nipple out in public. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was actually at, um, I was out one day and a mom was making a bottle and I like just got in like a little corner, started nursing Sloan. And she's like, oh, I commend you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there's nothing else for her to eat. I don't have any bottles. I don't have any formula. I don't have anything. She's going to scream her head off or I'm going to pull my boob out and feed her. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Does the nursing still hurt? Actually, it stopped hurting completely. Good. And then just recently, like in the last couple of days, even, I feel like it almost feels like there's just like a tug in like one spot in my nipple. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I don't know if it's a clog. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? But other than that, it's, it's nowhere near what it was then. Like it felt like nerve pain, like in here. Look, and I was just like, yeah. this can't be normal. Do you do breast massage? No, I don't. That might be something just while you're hanging out, you know, just when you're alone, just put a little, you know, oil on your breasts, coconut oil doesn't have to be anything like, you know, cause the baby would probably wind up licking some of it. Yeah. But I wonder if just kind of, you know, just kind of like going around and, and just getting some good flow 
would help yeah help any funky it's kind of the first move anyway if you do suspect a clogged duck or anything kind okay. of funky is just make sure all your lymphatic system is flowing and open and okay. hydrated and yeah wow so you go back to work in august and your mom's yeah. been around it sounds like to help yes yeah, so she stayed with me for the first two weeks and then i'm like i really want to get the hang of things on my own since yeah. i'm going to be on my own majority of the time anyway and so she went home and that is when i mean it was never like shit hit the fan and it was just crazy it was just like i think the biggest things are I'm, i love to eat <laughs> and there's just no way to always oh my God, have right? like great food, which is what I always want mm -hmm. um, with a newborn nursing. You just don't always have the time. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So, and, and then I'll say postpartum was much more difficult than I ever expected it to be. Yeah. I know people talk about it and <laughs> It's we're just still like, everyone's blindsided by it it doesn't matter yes. how many times everyone's like it's really hard you guys it's really hard <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> it was no. just like crying at the drop of a dime yeah and it's like you're not sad <laughs> you're just hormonal it's just yeah. so intense so how do you eat how do you like um, what's your system as a solo mama so now i have a um like a wrap so i'll put mm -hmm. her in my wrap and i'll cook and eat um, sometimes I try to make more, I never really like leftovers. <laughs> um, so now I just make more and I'll yeah. heat stuff up, stuff like that. But yeah, I think now it's gotten to the point where she'll play on the floor, like on her mat yeah. or something, or in like a little seat or something. And I can do other things, but mm -hmm. initially it was just very difficult. Totally. I saw someone ask somewhere. <laughs> which part of pregnancy was the worst like the very beginning when you have like your food aversions and morning sickness and stuff the last trimester or postpartum <laughs> and someone's like I would do the last trimester for 10 months over postpartum mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah it could be it's like really difficult hmm. yeah it's the most difficult yeah I mean it's just it's not meant to be done so alone yeah you know, and I don't, I don't mean so my more specific, yeah. I mean, like all of us, like it's, yeah. it's meant. Oh, like with a village and like, yeah, like it's meant to be like done that, yeah. physically, you know, that we're in a restorative state and just, you know, who gets that? It's just a yeah. very, it's a very hard, uh, bar, you know, to, to, to actualize in our, in today's, you know, culture. Yeah. And who really tends to the postpartum mother, you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. want you there even on the medical side like they want you there every four weeks even though i don't know there's no I relationship cannot, there i cannot but, with the like <laughs> well baby bullshit industry and even i didn't go back for my like six week um checkup and i've had people say oh my gosh you need to go you need to go do that i'm like why why <laughs> what's what's under that what is the nothing, thing what is the thing <laughs> I know it's just people don't like to think for themselves. And so yeah. when women do think for themselves, it's this like alien concept, you know, like someone else, like a, a, a doctor hasn't told you it's okay to fill in the blank. I mean, it's so infantilizing. Right. I even cringe. Like, um, I know some women who like, they went back and they had a pap smear at their six week and I'm like, oh, I don't want anything in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally. I'm with you. Well, what a wild story. Thank you yeah. for sharing it. Of course. I'm proud of you. That's such a big journey and yeah, cool, calm and collected. <laughs> <laughs> Mama Zan. That's so funny. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you Thanks so much for having me. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. 
I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the stars.